0: while making a positive impact in your community.
1: All right. Good morning, everyone. This is Robert Ficoui, your host of the Purpose and Profitability Podcast. I think I just caught my guest uh, off guard here a little bit. <laughs> but, but, anyways, welcome back. Um, this is number three of the five, key, five keys to scaling your business, and it's all about go-to-market strategies which isn't quite the same as marketing, but very closely related. But you know, long-term success for any business and brand really starts from the beginning, and it's with your go-to marketing strategies that we're. I'm so privileged to have Susan Schram of Go-To Market Impact LLC. Uh, I've gotten to know Susan over the last um, uh, not quite a year, but about six eight months. Um, kind of helping her, coaching her, and her in her, in her, in her new business, um, and she's. Such an accomplished person. You know. I have her resume and CV, so I, I can't spend that much time on it. But let me just give you some highlights, which is Siemens, IBM, Nokia. Now, if you're a millennial, you may not be too familiar with the first two companies. <laughs> but Nokia, you should be, hopefully. But even on large technology companies, she's had a broad experience of marketing sales, had executive leadership positions in all three of those. And most recently, the Chief Marketing Officer and Senior VP for Telecommunications Industry Association. Now she has her own firm, Go-To-Market Impact LLC, focusing on go-to-market strategies for businesses, nonprofits, municipalities, and faith-based organizations. So we're so uh, privileged to have her and talk about go-to-marketing strategies. What does that mean? And How does that differ from marketing? And how, as a small business, you can utilize this um, really to to really maybe launch or relaunch your business because you're a lot of you have already are in already in business and so this might be a nice opportunity for you to almost to rethink a few things and kind of relaunch itself you know kind of hit the reset button in your business in your brand so Susan welcome to the welcome purpose to and profitability podcast Hi,
2: Robert
1: and you're coming from where
2: today I'm <laughs> from the East coast uh, from the Washington DC area I am um all over the country, and the one wonderful benefit of being in consulting is you can do it from every, everywhere.
1: <laughs> you can do it virtually, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. okay. So, I apologize. I just heard a an emergency vehicle go by, and I Not so in really a city.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's funny because my uh, wife and I were talking about you know some things we want to do, and she's like, you know, it'd be cool. You just take three months and just hang out in Hawaii. Yep, <clears throat> we're in a house and just hang out in Hawaii for three months. She's, we can do our business virtually, <laughs> right?
2: <Powerful. clears
1: throat> I don't always have to be physically face-to-face.
2: We're the gift of technology that has enabled the world to be connected. Yes, that's that's true. Yes, but thank you, Susan. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, thank you, Susan. So <laughs> tell me a little bit about your business, um, <clears throat> kind of how you got started. I guess a little bit about your experience. I mean, I just kind of obviously just briefly brushed your experience. I and mean, you have a. Uh, I just remember when you are actually took the biblical entrepreneurship course and i'm looking at your experience and I'm like gosh what are we going to teach her <laughs>
2: yeah, oh the, is, the interesting thing is i've spent a lot of years in helping technology organizations go to market with the of technology sometimes that represented a new product a new offering sometimes it meant a new company or an acquisition that we were making and we were doing a lot of different things. Actually, I created my business out of two things, frustration and a big idea. <laughs> so <laughs> the frustration, how happens, yeah. interestingly enough, from um, working with all these amazing companies who were quite committed to com- to connecting the world. Um, we uh, I worked not only for the companies I worked for, but I worked in industry associations with lots of different companies. And um, what was what was upsetting to me over time was we would fall in love with the offering, but we would not always anticipate the go-to-market of it. So we would buy entire companies or create entire product lines. But when it came time to investing in the thinking process and the resources to ensure the whole end-to-end go-to-market was in place, um, we we would, you know, we would falter, we would have missteps. Mm-hmm.
0: And to be clear,
2: what I define as go-to-market is different than marketing. Go to market is the aligning of a strategy, especially a new strategy or new initiative with all the resources that are needed to pull that off so you can consistently deliver value. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about resources, some people think, oh yeah, my my website needs updated or or, my factory needs to be able to make this new thing. But the biggest resource you have when you go to market are people. Mm -hmm. And you know what? People are the hardest things to line up. (laughs) and and some of those people work for you and you think that that's an easy thing to line up people that work for you that's hard Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. a lot of the people involved are the people who don't work for you but are really integral to your go-to-market so Mm -hmm. beyond Mm -hmm. your leadership team and your employees think about your suppliers your partners your subcontractors and even your current customers who if you're bringing out something new they actually have to see you in a new way or they'll be disappointed or never buy from you in this new area, right? So yeah. a lot of the things about go-to-market is almost like a symphony orchestra, mm-hmm. right? You're taking all of these moving parts and you're creating a coordinated approach to delivering value. So what happened and the reason why I finally you know, shifted, I said, okay, I know what I'll do. I'll spend the rest of my life not just working with the technology itself, I want to spend the rest of my life working on the impacts we can have. How can we change lives? How can we build communities? And so I started working with organizations that were very purpose-led, and to the point of this podcast, mm-hmm. very purpose-led on making the world better, With a lot of times with technology. And guess what I found? They would fall in love with their mission. They'd get really excited about it and undercall what was necessary to take it to market. And many times, especially if they were working in an association or a nonprofit, they had to do it with volunteers.
0: Mm-hmm. So if you
2: think it's hard to get employees <laughs> to do something, oh, yeah. you know, volunteers are even harder to make sure yeah. that you're, you're you know, aligned. So anyway, I, as a result, decided I was thinking about starting my own nonprofit or starting my own um, purpose-led organization that way. And I concluded, what if I could, in fact really amplify all these the great work people are doing by really equipping leaders of you know visionary leaders who are trying to change the world for the better and help them get their go to market right and accelerate the results and make more impact faster so that's the purpose of go to market impact go to market and impact is what we do
1: so what I hear too is there's a lot of aligning of all the stakeholders to be able to execute. <laughs> Basically, the marketing strategy, right? That means, like, when you talk about, because I I see this all the time, you know, with with my clients, you get in there, they want a new marketing strategy, they want to get more customers, yada, yada, yada. But I look at the fundamentals, and I'm like, things aren't lining up. I mean, you start with the people. Now, I get into a lot of organizational structure issues, because I said, said, do you even have the right people internally to execute? Um, and like right now, we're going through a process with one client is to basically re-interview everybody to see what are all their gifts and skills, and are they even in the right spot? <laughs>
2: well, think about it like the orchestra, like I just said. Mm-hmm. So think about the, the conductor of that orchestra. Mm-hmm. He's got to know not only mm-hmm. they're all the same; they have different instruments and different skills. Is the right person the lead? Mm-hmm. You know, it's very similar. And yeah. then to the point is, are they all using the same music? Like yeah. a lot of times. When we talk about growth, growth can have a lot of dimensions. Mm -hmm. It can be growth of any market, or it can be the same market to grow in. Um, So getting, heck, getting your leadership team on the same page is critical to the market, much less the broader set of employees in the right seat with the right instrument with the right. Right. Totally agree with you.
1: Yeah. So why is this... um For small business, you know, a lot of the audiences, smaller businesses, have a few employees, maybe 10 employees, 15. Um, When would they, you know, they're already in business for, I don't know, five, 10 years. I mean, is there, do you think that maybe they need to reassess what they're doing right now as it relates to -to go-to-market strategies? You know what's
2: interesting? Um, I think the the scariest thing in the world is to be a leader of an organization that is increasingly less relevant because your market's changing around you. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think, um, people sometimes do is they they start their business and they're quite relevant. They've done a very systematic approach to what the market is and needs, Mm -hmm. but over time they may get stalled. They Mm -hmm. may either, their growth doesn't keep going and Mm -hmm. they don't really know why. And sometimes they're trying to just tweak out more, um, you know, they'll do it from a traditional promotion point of view. Just, yeah. just get more customers in the door. That'll make it work.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and they, and they do it all through pure marketing. Okay, mm-hmm. and that's a. And it's not that that won't work to get more butts and sees people in the door or whatever. Right. But the real question is to start with. Let's go back to the strategic intent. What are we? What problem are we tra- trying to solve? For mm-hmm. whom? Mm-hmm. And is our solution still relevant? Mm-hmm. And that question needs to be asked. Because you, you, you can't stand still, right? Your right. market is changing around you. And if you, if you take that moment to step back, and you might be saying, I want to uh, reach new markets, or I want to have a new product for the same market, or I want to um, create a new uh, service. I, I have a product. I want to add a service element to my portfolio. The exercise of go-to-market is just that. It's stepping back with a strategic look and saying, what's my strategy that's new? What element is new? And then who do I have to align to pull that off? So Mm -hmm. to your question, even if you're a solopreneur who's, it's been working for a while and something isn't sort of growing, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a good time to step back and ask this question. What is my go-to-market plan and is it still relevant and what else would I need to do?
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And if you don't, so here's the problem. Mm -hmm. If you go ahead and launch something new and you don't get everybody in sync, you end up with Confusion, just like all your partners, you know. Even if you're a small business, your employees, your contractors, your partners, like. But I thought you did that. What What, what is this? Like, um, it's complex. Sometimes people are providing you stuff that you can't act on, or you're providing your partners mm-hmm. information that they aren't the right partner for you. Um, it can cause um, delayed revenue because you you've set up you made an investment to do something new and you don't get the revenue objectives, and it can mm-hmm. frustrate you as a leader. You mm-hmm. can be a frustrated leader of change because yeah. you can't figure out why all the, why they just don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many times have you ever heard a leader getting upset because they get it in their brain? It's making sense. Mm-hmm. You know, So yeah I, yeah, I think it's a good, worthy exercise. Yeah.
1: And it's, it kind of starts from, you know, making, setting the vision, making it clear, putting it on paper for everybody to see. Cause a lot of times it's very common for the the business owner. They have the vision in their head. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, to your point, you know, they get frustrated why other people don't get it. Now, I ask them, I said, Do they know? I've, I've had do a recent know? client, I said, Do they know your vision? <laughs> so, we have to send, sit down with the leadership team and then for them to spell out the vision and say, "What This is what they see in 10, 20, 30 years. And this is where we're, we're headed or do this is where they see really it. Mean?
2: You know what's interesting is let's clarify vision versus you know your immediate purpose and mission. You know your purpose and vision may be very high and far off, but there's got to be some chip shots to that long game, right? Mm -hmm. And even if you looked at a three-year scenario.
1: Oh, very good golfing analogy. I like that.
2: Oh yeah, (laughs) I sometimes pretend to play golf. Often, you know, you get out and you tee off, and you see the long thing. You're oh good, thank the Lord, I'm going to just do it in steps because it's a long way to get there. But you know, just getting everybody around. The same understanding about who is our customer, what are we trying to do for them, and how are we going to make money in it. Mm -hmm. Because I think sometimes, especially cross functionally, not everybody understands the viability of the end of the organization, right? The people in finance may understand what's profitable and what's not, but people in um, operations or customer service don't Mm -hmm. understand that this this product is losing money so we have to it's okay because it's a it's a attracting people in the door but we have to sell this other things or there will not be enough of us to serve this, right. this yeah. so yeah getting everybody on one page is is a common mistake that's made and especially because you hired new people in i think it's very easy with your startup okay everybody let's huddle we all have this vision and every like there's six of you right or one of you you're in your spouse like Yeah. yeah the hard part is actually you're now two years into it it's sort of working and you've hired a few people or contractors or you have a bookkeeper or you have a marketing person and they weren't there at that table at that kitchen table envisioning this right or they don't understand the issues of the profitability. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this is really worth doing.
1: Yeah, good. So, what are some of the common mistakes that leaders make when they go to market with their initi- with a new initiative? Okay.
2: Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to give you. I have a. I'm creating a uh, a set of articles with zillions of them, but let me start with a few that are um, my, my most common and frustrating for me. <laughs> One is what I call "ta-da" launches. Ta-da. Somehow people think that if I'm going to surprise my competitor, that I shouldn't tell anybody, including my own employees. So, oh boy. So, you, so, you ta-da, so you, ta-da, your very own people that are going to be, you're surprising them. The very people that are supposed to be part um, of delivering the value in a new way are actually surprised. So, Every time in marketing that I've ever been involved in press releases, I always use that as a red flag. Who is it that has to know this before the press release goes out? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And people are like, "Oh, we can't tell anybody." I go, are you kidding? We have <laughs> a new product. Yeah. And we've got yeah. to have everybody. The first thing that's going to happen is the sales force is going to be yeah. asked by somebody. Oh, really? I see you're in this business. Right. To find out through the press release, right? Or do you want them to immediately have the answers to say, "Oh yeah, I'm so excited about it." Here's what <laughs> it does for you. So, Tada launches is number one irritating fact.
1: <laughs> Let me tell you about a Tada launch that I was involved with.
2: <laughs> <This is> so <laughs> common, right?
1: and this is bigger than just a product launch. But so, the first pharmaceutical company I worked for was called Sandoz. It's a Swiss-based company.
2: They were my client, by the way, back in the day. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. So,
1: so I just I just left Coca Cola. I worked for, I worked for Sand, or I got hired for Sandoz, went through sales training and all that. First day in the field, I meet with my first doctor. First, I mean, my first pharmaceutical position, my first doctor. And he comes out, because uh, I give my business card to the receptionist. And then the doctor comes out, he's looking at my business card and says, Oh, Sandoz, you guys just merged. And I said, what? I said, no, I didn't. We didn't merge. Did you you just merge with Steve at I said, no. I I just just got back from East Hanover, New Jersey, the corporate headquarters, and I mean, literally Friday, like the Friday before, and this is Monday, and I go, they didn't say anything. (laughs) It's like getting my voicemail to check messages, and guess what? The president's announcing his merger, and I'm like, are you kidding me?
2: (laughs) You know, and interestingly enough, we've all been that, in the world of technology and mergers and acquisitions, this is a very common issue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and when it's very, there's a lot of legal reasons why they can't because it's stock prices, mm-hmm. but in our own businesses that tend to be private companies or mm-hmm. smaller companies, people tend to do the same thing with a new offering or they'll, or they'll, or they'll um, create a new brand, create, create just anything new and flat, keep people flat footed just like that. You didn't even have the first three answers to that. You were just looking like, Deer in a headlight <laughs> pretty much yeah I was like,
1: like I was just adamant no because I just got back from the headquarters on Friday so
2: even if you I mean that was like the extreme you were not prepared to capitalize on that and explain why it was a good thing for the client right yeah but what you but and so maybe there's reasons but within 30 days part of the exercise that I spent a lot of time in is is enabling the f- field force to explain why the rationale of that merger I've done it a zillion times or the rationale of that sale or the rationale of that acquisition. Right. But let's even scale it back to our 15 person company. Say you're creating a service instead of just a product and you're trying to add consulting to what you do, you know, as as a product. Um, The ability for the front facing people, whether they work for you or someone else to promote that, in a casual conversation, so when your your service, customer service, or or um, people who are you know cleaning up the place, when a client says, "Oh, gee, this was good," and they go, "What's going on with you?" and if the person says, "You know, we're we're launching something new. I'm really excited about," right? Or there's are they even say, "What are you you know you as a customer? I see you're using this product. Did you know that our company does this too?" That is a moment of truth, right? Mm-hmm. That's a moment when you can actually extend your reach. You have a huge advertising channel called Everybody Who Knows You Today. And if
1: you (laughs) don't harm them with
2: this, you just miss opportunities to grow. Yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Okay. Not communicating is number one. one. Ta-da. Visceral (laughs) reaction. Let's look at the next one that gives you the same kind of feeling. Um, Not being clear about your target customer for the stage of business you're in. So let me give you an, an analogy. So everybody knows they want target customers. So mm-hmm. if you were making dinner and you ran out of stuff and you sent your kid out to go to the grocery store and you said, come back with um, uh, peppers. Okay. And they walked in with jalapeno peppers versus green peppers mm-hmm. that might Cause you some stress, right? You'd end up saying, "Well, wait, wait, my, the recipe I'm building needs green peppers." And the person, you know, the kid says, "You didn't say. You didn't say. You said peppers. I got peppers, right?" It's a very common problem that people. A lot of times they do this because of market segmentation misses. They'll say, "We're going to go after this market," and they financially will say, "Oh, gee, if we get .001 percent of that market, we can be rich." And and so they they they, they target a segment. But inside that segment, there's a group of, of people who you actually are prepared today, like today, to serve. Mm-hmm. And there's other parts of that segment that over time you can serve. So it's not bad at the marketing level mm-hmm. to say, we serve the medical industry, right? Mm-hmm. But today, we serve this narrow group of people so it's the difference between marketing and selling it's the difference between how your whole organization is lined up to direct here's the problem if you don't do this you not only tick off the people who you know the people who made the effort and bring back hey i i did what you asked i brought you back a customer and they're like but not that customer so they get irritated. <laughs> yeah. But secondly the customer that you just brought back in who is the wrong customer gets a bad flavor it's like i thought you said you were doing this Mm-hmm. And the customer that you do want is being um, underserved because your energies are going not to them.
1: Mm-hmm. Right?
2: Mm-hmm. So it's an inefficient strategy. Yeah. And so it really hits me that this is often a linkage between strategic positioning, target customers, and the difference between market positioning and selling. Mm-hmm. And don't confuse the two. Mm-hmm. So that's does that Have you ever had that situation where you brought back <laughs> the wrong kind of client and the company wasn't ready to serve it?
1: Um, not, I mean, I haven't personally, but I've had it where, I mean, kind of going back to, um, which, you know, aligning all your stakeholders to, to handle the marketing strategy is right. sometimes they, um, they can't handle the, the, the load, the volume, they don't have capacity to handle the volume.
2: Right. And
1: so sometimes they set the bar, <laughs>
2: they
1: set the bar too high right. and they haven't analyzed, can even handle it. And so it kind of goes into what you're saying is the right customer. Because sometimes it is, you're setting too too broad, you create too broad of a strategy to reach too many people, as opposed to hitting a defined customer base, which is smaller, mm-hmm. but that you can serve.
2: And, you know, it's interesting, the point you're making of capacity. <clears throat> I think you have to look in the mirror and get real about what capacity you have this moment to deliver mm-hmm. with quality,
0: mm-hmm. right?
2: Because... So- Sure, you may need revenue, Mm -hmm. but growing, in fact, I heard one of your podcasts on this topic. I mean, (laughs) you growing is not always always good if you can't deliver against Mm -hmm. it, and uh, you actually could make more profit if you're actually clear about who you're set up well to serve Mm -hmm. versus, I mean, I've been in companies where we brought out products that we had no channels for. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, we would we would work for two years building a technology, and then ta-da, launch it without channels anywhere <laughs> near ready to serve them. Yeah. We name companies, and it just yeah. so yeah.
0: you
2: uh, so that's my second one, and you know at, at any point that's a good look in the mirror on am I going after yeah. customers that I can serve, yep. and the third one is. Um, Using messages people don't understand. (laughs) I've I've been in sales, marketing, product management, um, strategy, finance. I've been in lots of different roles. And I would say that marketing is perfect at making things sound beautiful. Okay, And when you look on websites and with brochures, it sounds fantastic. Mm -hmm. But here's the test I found. Was I we had uh, created a new uh, joint venture, in fact. Um, and uh, I found out that because I'd been in sales for years and went into marketing after being in sales, and I often would go on sales calls with people. And I'd be the person they'd bring in to like wax eloquent, eloquent about why this is a really good idea. And I noticed they wouldn't say a word, in the salespeople. So I'd say, Okay, so so why do you think this is good for our customers? I'd say, and they go, well, basically, it allows us to be bigger. And so we can serve you over time with more resources, right? And they would say it very cautiously. So I realized I'd go afterwards and say, get a cup of coffee. i say, what's wrong? Why aren't you using this? You know, we'd work. They said, I don't believe it. And I said, okay, let's stop. What do you believe about why this could be good for a customer? And that is what they're going to say right? Mm-hmm. So there's a moment of truth when a person is, in, is talking to someone who their own name is on the, you know, it's, it's their reputation.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And whether that's your partners or your, you know, people who believe in you, if they can't explain what you're doing in a way that I all call talking to your mom, if you can't explain it to your mom, you probably can't explain what it is you're doing. Uh, it's not going to be a message that gets carried. And so that's that's the third thing that I find That's why
1: that's why you don't have the IT guys uh, create the marketing copy. Cuz you know, you have technology companies, and I get this all the time. Yeah. Oh, all the time, but when I'm with a technology company, you know, the engineer, <clears throat> the owner is the engineer, the founder is an engineer, and they're you know, they're doing their pitch. <laughs> I'm like, I got no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's
2: true. So people define their messages either too broadly like that, like we're going to, you know, solve world hungry, or because this widget fits in with this widget, you know, faster or cheaper, and nobody like to do what, like yeah,
1: it's, it's too technical. Crafty, get kind of too well, technical to get into the details. They get in the weeds, um, but not really about really expressing what is the value, what is that, what is that going to be in it for the customer? Because even when I was in pharmaceuticals and I'm dealing with physicians, I didn't. We did talk medical, we did talk science and all that, but really that wasn't the crux of the sales call. It was really about application. Right. The benefit. What is the benefit to the, the, benefit to the patient?
2: And to <laughs> and the patient, not just to them. Sometimes it's right. to their babies, but it's, the
1: it's to them. But it has to be a very it, – it's got to be practical. It's got to be an everyday language. I mean, even, even when you're dealing with uh, – even when you're dealing with engineer to engineer or scientist or doctor to doctor, a lot of times the, the, the real thing that hooks them is really just more of a simple message that, like you said, seventh, that's why they talk about, you know, you got to write to the 7th to 8th grade reading level. So they can understand. So even even if you have even if the the customer has a technical background, still sometimes the thing that really connects is something that's going to be very practical.
2: And the uh, missed opportunity is what I call creating your inside sales channel. So mm-hmm. at one point we I did I do a lot of work with messaging and analogies, and at one point we're coming up with this really complex system, and I poured a bunch of toys on the table and I said, okay, grab a toy that you say does the best. A uh, way to tell the story. Well, the engineers finally found Legos because the new product <laughs> we were putting together, instead of being all hunked together, could be used in a modular way. So what we did was we armed all our people to go out and tell the story of the offering, but use Legos. So here's what happened. They walked into the customer with the Legos and talked about it. And this customer, we were at the very end of a our, our proposal thing, and we weren't even in the game at all.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, this, and we were saying, "You have to consider us because we've got this revolutionary thing." So we used the Lego, and the customer took the Lego. It was five o'clock at night. He took the Lego and walked down to the CFO with his Legos that we just left, and he said, "We gotta, we gotta get these guys in. Do you know what they can do?" And he, he was able visually to say instead of this which is competition they do this with the legos right amazing the whole company so when we came back in to to present everybody knew about the legos and so it was, it was amazing right so helping create not just you, sometimes you think about you as the voice of your story mm-hmm. it's all the people you enable to tell your story before you mm-hmm. it has to be simple
1: mm-hmm. very good now we, I know I could, I could sit here all day and talk about this, so I'm not, but I need to, going to have to land the plane a little bit. So what are some, What's a, I don't know if one or two or whatever, but maybe one or two things that you can recommend to our audience. Um, leaders are seeking to have both purpose and profit. You know, making money is great, but you know, obviously you know the title of this podcast is Purpose and Profitability. So we want to have, you know, a business and organization that actually makes an impact beyond just the bottom line. So what are, some, what are some things they consider when they go to market with a new strategy or a new initiative? Or just, just in general, these, these leaders that are, are seeking purpose and profit, what, what would you recommend?
2: Okay, so a simple, here's a couple of simple things. And even if tomorrow you just got a cup of coffee and spent some time on this, <laughs> think about something new you want to get done. And instead of thinking about the what of it, think about your orchestra. Just think like an orchestra leader and brainstorm all the people and all the instruments that you're gonna need to have to play that music, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because sometimes that brainstorming exercise will allow you to amplify your impact, but also realize these are stakeholders who need to know. They also might be people that you could run this new idea by, and get your feedback early because if they're going to be blockers, mm-hmm. you need to know that now versus after you've launched, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's my first. Think of yourself as an orchestra leader and give yourself an orchestra leader time uh, and then bring your leadership team in to do this with you, right? Yeah. The second thing I would do is an exercise I love doing, and it's a wonderful team building exercise. Um, and I do it in all different times of the life cycle of companies. But, um Visualize what alignment for this strategy looks like from a customer point of view. And the way you do that is by walking the customer buying journey today and two years after you've implemented this new thing. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, in, so from a team building point of view, I actually give people hats that says, "Okay, you are and depending on their, your profile or demographics. You're a 50 year old uh, seasoned IT guy, or you are a you know millennial who just started in their job, right? And you're you're walking. And when I talk about the customer buying journey, realize that that could be the customer has to say, "Do I have a problem I want to solve?". And then say, do I even know you can solve it for me? Mm-hmm. And then say, if I were to solve it, why would I choose you? And then say, I've chosen you and I'm, I'm now receiving the benefit of this offering. And then if I've stumbled... Do I get what I need if I don't know how to use it or you aren't delivering what I thought? And then why would I ever come back? Right. That's the buying journey. What we often do is think about the selling journey, the go to market from our point of view, but you flip it around. What that does, if you do the as is and the desired, two things, you're walking that and everybody, the fun part about it is, about the exercise, is everybody gets to be the customer. It's way more fun to be the customer than yeah. to be the person providing it. So you get everybody to walk in the shoes of mm-hmm. your customers. Yeah, good. And it also shows the different lenses that your customers will have depending mm-hmm. on their needs, right? Yeah. The second thing it does is when you do the as-is and the desired, you sometimes find that even in your as-is business, there are gaps that you can improve. Whether you mm-hmm. ever... Introduce this new offering or not? Mm-hmm. Just walking the buying journey to as-is view shows mm-hmm. you that oh my gosh, it gets time for them to do a, do a to buy, and we don't have a contract terms that are easy, or you know whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. And then when you do the the desired, that is two years after it's running, you're thinking about a humming business already. You're getting everybody to think together. Right. these are people could be in customer service or operations or finance mm-hmm. or contracts. I and mean, these are people mm-hmm. across the organization. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they, they haven't thought of it holistically. It helps them be with you as the CEO, right. Yeah. Or as the top leader. And anyway, I, I would just hardly recommend doing that. It's a, a very satisfying experience.
1: That's good. You like props.
2: Oh, I think it's helpful. The brain doesn't work yeah. without, You know, people are sometimes they're learners by visuals, sometimes they're audio leaners, some are kinetic learners, Mm -hmm. and I think um, I use a lot of different.
1: Sounds like fun. Sounds like fun workshops.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I do everything from workshops to you know custom consulting, but usually what ends up happening is somewhere along the process to actually pull this off, the person who is my primary contact wants to bring along a lot more people, and we tend to do it you know, interactively so that their voices are heard. Because Good. a lot of times, yeah. you know, when you get pushback, they don't always voice it. They just don't do what you want them to do. Yeah. Yep. Getting yep. that yep. kind of surface with a third party sometimes is easier.
1: Good. Well, Susan, this has been great. And thank you for, for coming and sharing your wisdom. And how how can people get a hold of you?
2: So my I my website is go to marketimpact.com and my email address is susan schramm at go to and I'm on LinkedIn and I'm in Twitter at at susan schramm. So a lot of different ways to see you. And, and I'd susan love to
1: schramm. Schramm is, to- is spelled
2: s c h r a m m. Two
1: Ms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we're both disciples of Kelly Leonard's Boost LinkedIn trainings. So you know, I know That's your true. LinkedIn profile is a number one. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. so, Hey, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me, uh, Susan. This has been great. And I'm sure this is going to be helpful for the, the audience here. And please everyone just take, uh, take a moment, um, take a, maybe a, you know, an hour or two and just step back and reassess your business, reassess where you're headed. What are some of the things that are, are troubling you right now? And just, and just take some of the, the, the tips that, that Susan shared with us today and um, and walk through the walk through this, I, and I know that you're going to benefit from it, and your business is going to benefit from it. So thanks again thank for listening. What's that? Thank
2: you for coaching you've provided me over the last year, and, and um your practical expertise. I love your podcast, and I, oh, I will you. say that the things you have given me not only are actionable, but they hold me accountable. <laughs> okay. A lot of things that you suggest that I go. Yes, you're right. I need to do that. So. so yeah.
1: It's because we, we all need that. I was a part of a mastermind group uh, a while back, and you know, my wife something said, So, did you learn anything? I said, Not necessarily that I learned anything new, but they told me what I knew I should be doing, but I wasn't doing. <laughs> and I go, Okay, all right. So, it, got, it gets you on track, keeps you focused, right? So, I'm glad I could, I could glad I could help you even through my podcast season. So, thanks for being my fan.
2: All right, <laughs> you've been a blessing to me. Oh,
1: thank you. I'm looking forward to seeing you in a few weeks in D.C. Yeah. The MDC. Yeah. So thanks again, everyone, for listening to the Purpose and Profitability Podcast. If you have any other business questions or topics that you'd like to hear more about or about, email me at prosper at i61 businessdevelopment.com. That's prosper at the letter I, the number sixty-one businessdevelopment.com. Or go to the Facebook page, purpose and profitability, and then tune in again next week as I go live once again. So thanks again for listening. This is Robert Fakui, And remember, purpose plus profit equals transformation. God bless everyone. Have a great week. Have a great week, Susan.
0: Thank you for joining us today. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast. For more information, please visit PurposeandProfit.com.